talking about going back to the beginning. We're talking about the Aleph and the Tav. Yeah. And uh, that's good stuff right there. It is. Very cool stuff. Yeah. I was just uh, texting back and forth with Kelly. She was saying that she was having some trouble with the app. If you're in that same situation, just wanted to remind you, as always, all of the teaching, including the notes. You don't have to take notes either. The notes go up on our blog. Uh, everything you can find at victory.radio or when the app is working, you can do it on the app. And uh, all of the re- recordings of everything we talk about this morning will also be on the blog. Sometime today, I'll do that after I'm done here. So if you're having any kind of... If you're in your area, you're having any technical issues, so uh, we'll take care of that. Yeah, it's always a good thing to be able to go back. Uh, like you said, not having to take notes is uh, takes the pressure off. We can just enjoy and listen and then go back later and check it out. Well, especially because the next, you know, this next hour or so, uh, we're going to wrap things up. But we're talking about the Aleph and the Taf, and we're also going to be talking about the Gospel and the Stars. So mm. in both of those situations, the graphics are going to be important for you. I can talk them out. But seeing sometimes helps. So, yes. And uh, we talked about this before in various teachings. So you can also, do, I'm, not, I'm just going to touch on the Gospel of the Stars today. And there, you can go up on the, our uh, podcaster blog and find all of that. And the Aleph of the Top we talked about too b- before. So, but um, that's fascinating. If you go and Google this and go with Hebrew scholars and stuff, they will fight you <laughs> tooth and nail on this one. Um but you know what? There are some things that you can argue until you're blue in the face and it does not change it. So, um, Elul was when God first determined to create man, okay? So to do this, he first creates a world for them to live in and causes himself to be slain for them all in the spiritual realm. But at creation, he's speaking light into being. He's separating it from the darkness. And he separates the waters above and the waters below, makes the land and the seas, causing the seed-bearing plants, the trees to grow. He makes the sun and the moon and the stars and sea creatures and the birds. But here's another important thing. When he spoke the universe into being, his first words on the 25th day of Elul are, in English, we say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So now in English, or in Hebrew rather, it's Bereshit bar Elohim Hashemin Haretz. Now, in between there, there's a silent letter. It's ET, it's the Aleph Tav. And towards the end there, between Hashemin Haretz is Vet Haretz. And that one, it's not silent. You add a Vav with it, and it's no longer silent. And so both of those are really interesting because there are two looks at these two little letters. Aleph and Taf, and these are the like R, A, and Z. It's the beginning and ending. It's the mm-hmm. entire alphabet. And there's so many things that are important in this. They're those two, and they're silent letters. So we have silent letters in our language too. They're joined together as a standalone word directly after the word God or Elohim. These are the first and last letters of their alphabet. Is that a coincidence? In Hebrew, it's translated as Et. But there's no English translation, so it's silent in their language and not even translated in ours. But Aleph Tov is one of the most common words found in Hebrew Scripture. Why is it here in his first breath? Before God could create anything using words, he needed to create language, an alphabet. He would create and use 22 Hebrew letters, numbers from Aleph to Tov to speak everything to an existence. So we look at this as, at least I do, as the building blocks of creation. Whatever yeah. he makes, he's using this alphabet, these letters, these words, right? He's speaking. 
The Aleph Tov combined as a word occurs 7,181 times. It's in there in the Tanakh, the Old Testament. That's just a few more than his name is in there, which they took out. So I'm also, you know, this is important to me too. But most often when you see the Aleph Tov together, that word is part of covenant events where God is directly involved. Now, Aleph Tov is silent, meaning it's not spoken. Many Hebrew scholars argue the use of Aleph Tov is purely grammatical in nature. It's mostly used to point to the object of a sentence. I would agree with that, but not always. In fact, there are hundreds of chapters of the Tanakh with direct objects, but no Aleph Tovs. Mm-hmm. So you got to say if it's either somebody's using bad grammar or maybe there's more to it. Many of the most famous Jewish rabbis throughout history, including Akiva and R.S. Hirsch, taught that the Aleph Tov was a mark of the hand of the Almighty with, and this is a quote, with profound spiritual significance. So these are just old, really classic, well-respected rabbis. Mm-hmm. So they don't say it's just an object pointer. They say there's something to this. And these are not Christians, obviously. The evidence suggests that the Aleph Toph is something astonishing in biblical text. There are many reasons to suggest that they may be choosing not to see something that draws attention to the Messiah who they've missed, which they do tend to do. I'm just saying. When Mm. Jesus spoke to the Apostle John on Patmos in Revelation 1.8 and also in 22.13, in the Greek, it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. That's the Greek. But if you read the ancient manuscript of Revelation in Hebrew, it's in the British Library. You can see it online. Also, the Passion Translation happens to take that, translate Revelation from the Hebrew and Aramaic, so it actually reads it correctly. And it says, Ani Ha'alef V'Taf. I am the Aleph and the Taf. The beginning and the ending says, Yehovah Elohim, or the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Mm. So, interestingly, rabbis call Genesis 1-1 the first menorah. Each word is a candle, and the Aleph Toph is the candle in the middle, which is called the helper, which you use to light the others. And if you know anything about the whole candle lighting thing, they always look at that as the Messiah. I'm just saying. <laughs> which brings us back to Revelation 1, 12, 13. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. Standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. That is what, what the high priest wears on Yom Kippur. All right? And Jesus is the real high priest. So, I mean, there was so much that it's just like so obvious here. But, uh, you know, that's the rabbis for you. So clearly, Yeshua Jesus is the Aleph Toph from God's first breath in Genesis to his final words in Revelation. But there are a couple of even more profound reasons to pay attention to these two little letters. In Genesis, when we're introduced to Jacob and Esau, the Aleph Toph are in front of each of their names. And they're born, they're sons, Aleph Toph. They're objects. Boom. But after Esau sells his birthright and blessing to Jacob... The name of Esau is used 78 more times. Another 78 times. But guess what's missing? The Aleph Toph. We're never there again after he sells his birthright. Oh, man. Because the birthright and the covenant are gone. The presence of the Aleph Toph, interestingly enough, in the opposite way, is the same with Ruth. The first 10 times her name is used, there's no Aleph Toph. But when Boaz who represents Jesus here, Yeah, redeems her, guess what? The Olive Toph comes in front of her name. Speaking of the king in the field, yeah. Yeah. Lord have mercy. The Olive Toph is always near the name of God, and it means the strength of the covenant. 
It's in Zechariah 12.10. And they took upon me, off top, whom they have pierced. You don't see it because it's not pronounced and we don't translate it. But it's there mm. in the Hebrew. In that first verse of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, which in Hebrew bears sheet bara, Elohim, that's where the et, the Aleph Tav is, Hashemim, heaven. Vayet, there is a second Aleph Tav with the Vav attached. Haaret is earth. The Vav attached to the Aleph Tav is used to join the link clauses subjects. Does that make sense in English grammar? In this case, the Vav is connecting the heavens and the earth. And it's attached to the Aleph and the Tav. And what's the Hebrew word picture for the Vav? It's the nail. Hmm. Very similar to the whole tab every time we talk about the tab. It's a nail or peg used for joining, attaching, and securing things. Christ connected the heavens and the earth through his death and resurrection. So are you saying, seriously, again, this doesn't mean anything? When we take communion, we are literally taking his name as ours, which is why I try to take communion every single day. And we're putting our hope in the strength of his covenant. Just like a Jewish couple at their wedding, they share a cup of wine and they smash the cup so no one will ever enter the covenant. When you drink the wine of communion, you're saying, I do, to his proposal. And he is adding the Aleph Toph to your name. It's beyond profound. But we're going to jump into a little bit more. We'll talk, call it the ox and the cross. We'll dig in for a little bit into this first letter, Aleph, Aleph and then the Toph, and show you where Christ fits in all that. I mean, stuff, he fits in. <laughs> He's all around it. Like a glove. No matter how you want to try to not see him, he is there.